Welcome to Transcendent. I'm Raya, and I'm the daughter. And I'm Joel, and I'm the dad. Well, it's fall right now, and we're kind of getting back into the swing of everything, and kids are back in school, and we're doing everything that we can, and this is a good time to rethink where we're at. It's a great time to take stock of how are our relationships and how is our life going. Yeah, and do you realize that we're already a month into our second season? It has gone by so fast. We're really grateful for everybody that has helped make that uh, reality with us. And we've got a whole lot more reality coming right after this. You might remember that movie, Gran Torino. It's worth seeing. The relationships really started out in a negative way. The relationships, they weren't getting along. Really, the problem was the old guy. The old guy had some people move in that were not like him. Clint Eastwood. Yes, that's right. Actor. Yep. Because they weren't like him, he rejected them immediately. Didn't want to have anything to do with them. He assumed they were Korean. Whenever he saw them, he'd say, don't eat my dog. (laughs) Which was kind of, it became kind of a mantra for him. Eventually, one of the kids stopped over there. They began a relationship, slow as it was. First, I think, by him hiring him to do something. I don't remember what it was. Oh, driving him around. Wasn't that it? I, it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, but. I don't know either. Anyway, I, I don't want to tell you the whole story because I don't have it exactly right. The point is, at the end of the story, he buys in. He is affirming. He starts out absolutely rejecting this family, but he becomes affirming with the kid and then eventually affirming with the family. And that's a relationship-building situation that we might have ourselves in not being able to deal with non-affirming people, not being able to deal with people who are always seem to be argumentative, are, are fighting the situation, are in an unfeeling position for the other side. So what do we do? We try to make it better by just pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and driving these people further and further away. You know, the biggest thing that I remember about that movie, I remember a scene. It was one of the first scenes where you start to see their relationship take off. And they're in a place, I don't remember, a barbershop or somewhere where they're hanging out with his old time crowd. And they are just throwing around racial slurs. I could not believe how offensive it was. In the midst of it, you see they're actually developing a relationship where he's willing to do the actions of what it takes to show that he actually really cares. And you see through the movie that the people that are always polite and never say this or that, but their actions really demonstrate that they never really cared at all. Last week, we talked about an episode for the non-allies, but this week, we want to talk about how to love a non-ally. And oftentimes, we think that the disagreement is much bigger than it is, but we find that once we get past some of the things on the surface, 
it's really not that big of a deal at all, and we have much more in common than we originally thought. We're going to share a few points that we think are helpful to get along with non-allies and to strengthen our relationships that matter the most to us. And so let's start in with number one. Dad, what do you got for us? Well, I think the important thing is to try to affirm, not reject. Affirm and not reject is a little bit of a challenge. But that's where we have to be. We have to be able to move to that point. And they have to be able to move to that point. That's where's your, What's the goal here? Let's begin with the goal and think, that's where I'm going to end. It can be really hard, especially if you are the ally or you are especially the LGBTQ plus person in the relationship. And you're thinking, I really need you to see my point of view. Oftentimes, we don't recognize that creating a loving relationship has to start with one of you showing love. And if the relationship is a vicious cycle of that person rejects you, and so you come back and you say, well, you loser and you idiot and you this and that and use all kinds of language, it just goes back and forth. And now we've got this terrible downward spiral where it's going faster and faster and faster. We want to pull out of that. And that starts by finding ways to affirm the other person, even if they are not affirming towards you yet. When I got divorced, my ex-wife and I decided that we wanted to make sure that we kept our, our relationship, even if we couldn't stay married, we wanted to be as strong as we could for the sake of the kids. And we went out of our way to make sure that we would never badmouth another, the other one, that we would never uh, have uh, fights with the other as much as we could avoid it, and that we would always support one another in everything that we possibly could. In fact, so that even now I'm in the process of buying a house. And my ex-wife came and said, I heard you're buying a house. I'm really excited for you. If there's anything I can do to help, I'm here for you. We have had a relationship like that ever since we got separated because we know that it's important that we project to the kids and you said as we were preparing for this, not just the kids, but for everyone. Yes. That we get along. Well, that's because I'm the grandpa here. <laughs> and... And, I'm, of course, I'm also the dad. And eventually, I would just mention, eventually, you're going to be a grandparent. At least I think so. You got seven kids. I bet you. I'll bet of them. is going to come through in some <laughs> form or another. So, at, and you'll go down in history. Once you're gone, the stories will still be there. And... If they not if they're not accepting and they're all that, I'm afraid the stories that are passed on aren't going to be the stories you want passed on. But right now I can tell you, as the stories are passed on, I think they'll be pretty good. I certainly know relatives on our side that I never met, but that I've heard stories about that the only stories I've ever heard are how difficult that person was to get along with. Mm -hmm. And 
on my ex's side, I've heard stories about other family members on that side that I never knew, I never heard about anything, but I certainly know that they were perceived to be bad people. I don't want to leave that kind of legacy. We probably all have people like that in every family. All of you out there listening, you probably have somebody in your family that you're thinking about right now. It starts with us. You can't change somebody, but you can help to bring them around, and it starts by affirming rather so, than rejecting. So you're, if you're affirming, maybe that responsibility starts with you, not with them. You can't wait for them to do it. If you're affirming, it's a little bit more difficult for them not to. Uh, You're beginning to build that relationship just like in Gran Torino. People will throw objections your way, or you'll throw objections their way. Usually they're not the objection. They're not the real objection. They're the things that they can maybe... Sometimes they'll soft sell it. For example, somebody calls you up and says, Hey, how'd you like to come over for dinner tonight? And you're thinking, I don't really want to go over to their house for dinner. As a matter of fact, they've got, they, I don't like their dog. Their dog is always growling at me, and I'm really not happy with the way they do, do things. I don't like the idea of how they talk to each other, etc., etc. There's problems here. So, You say, well, I can't come over tonight because I'm expecting X and Y. Sure, I'd love to come over, but you know, it's not going to work. But I'll get back to you for a time when it would work. I'll have to check my calendar. And then you conveniently forget to check your calendar. Well, a funny thing happened to me when we first moved into the neighborhood. I thought it would be a good idea to get to know the neighbors. So I said, well, we'd like to have you over for dinner. How's Friday night work? Oh, we're going to be gone. Well, um, how about next week, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually, oh, well, school is going to be starting then. And so they got to the point where I was talking to them when we moved in in September, and we couldn't find a date in February. It clearly meant they didn't want to come over for dinner at our house. We didn't even know each other, but I thought that was a way to do it. I've since found out they're pretty private people, and that's okay. That is okay. Yeah. You find that when you're having a conversation, we're trying to figure out how to love our non-allies in our life, and they have a conversation with you, and what you think it's about and what it's actually about are oftentimes entirely different. So they tell you, you know, what you're doing is a sin. But that's Mm -hmm. rarely what they mean. Because I bet that they're not all that concerned about other things that are sins. How much, how frequently have they talked about somebody that got divorced? And yet the Bible says way more about divorce than it ever says about LGBTQ issues. Mm -hmm. Or any of a variety of other things. And... Nobody cares about those issues until all of a sudden this one thing comes out and now all of a sudden this person who never talks about things being sinful in the eyes of God, now all of a sudden this is a big issue. It's a big issue because it's an objection they found out that confirms something that they believe. It, that, it, it, it is something that they can use, something that they can point to. 
In a matter of fact, it's a little bit like an analogy I used earlier where they'll take the the issue, the focus away from what happened or what is now here to something else that is similar but is one of the the reason is something else that they will draw attention to for example cop pulls you over and wants to give you a speeding ticket well what are you going to say you, you know you're speeding so instead you say but there, what about all those other people who went who passed me you think he's going to say, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to go back in my car and chase them. That's not going to happen. And that's what they do. They take the focus away, and they find something else that they can use as ammunition. And then the question is, well, what's really going on? What's the real objection there? Right. What I, think, I think the real objection is it's either I don't like what you're doing. I think it's yucky. Okay, well, that's a whole different thing. Yes. And that is oftentimes just a matter of, well, really, do you, do you have a problem with what other people do uh, when you think it's yucky for eating things that you don't like? Do you say, oh, you eat foods that I don't like? Forget it. I'm not going to hang out with you. We all understand lots of things. Oftentimes they will come up with objections because they're offended. And they'll say, well, this is really terrible, and you can't do that because of X and Y. But in reality, they're saying, you know what, you're doing? You're, you are embarrassing yourself, and you're embarrassing me. But instead of saying that, they come up with a different objection. We all know, in, within the LGBTQ plus community, we all understand the deep levels of shame that we have been made to feel. That's why it's so difficult to come out. But oftentimes we don't realize that when we're coming out to people that are giving us objections, that the real objection that they're having is the shame that they themselves are feeling because they're ashamed on our behalf and they're ashamed on their own behalf because they feel like who we are is going to somehow reflect on them. Well, if you think about how difficult it was for you to address your own shame before you came, you were ready to come out, then when you come and try to be affirming towards them and you realize that the objection that they're giving you isn't really what they mean, it's really about dealing with the emotions and the feelings inside, you're going to have an easier time cutting them a little bit of slack and letting them take the time that they need before they can come around. That's not uncommon. I, in fact, I think that's one of the most common things and one of the reasons why it's very difficult to find common ground or to begin to mend that relationship. It just is so difficult when you don't know what the real objective is. Once you find the real objective, there you are at the point where it's something you can ultimately address. Because until you find out what's behind why they have an objection you'll never be able to break that break through that wall a few weeks ago we did our presentation our live presentation where we talked about our podcast 
And we started it with personal stories. And in fact, our entire presentation was mostly you and I telling our stories. Yes. You can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, we aired that one just a few weeks ago. And afterwards, so many people came up to us and told us how honest our conversations were. When you want to reach someone and you're dealing with these realms of feelings and deep conflict, you're rarely going to get to somebody by presenting more facts and figures and, oh, let me go through this chart with you. When was the last time you ever changed your mind? Because somebody presented information to you. You were dead set in your own mind and how you believe something. And they presented information to you and you sat down rationally and thought through it and said, you know, you have been right this whole time and I am wrong. That's not human nature. I wish it was. I wish it was much easier for all of us, myself included, to say, you know what? I was wrong. We have a hard time doing that. But what we have a much easier time doing is saying, hey, let me listen to your story. Tell me what happened to you. And as you tell me your story, then I imagine myself. How would I feel if I were in your shoes? And now, rather than us fighting and being at odds, now I'm finding myself empathizing with you because you've shared your story with me. The honesty is absolutely critical. Now, because this podcast really focuses on honesty, us telling you really from the heart, how do we feel? Where are we at? I know this. Now that we've done an entire year's worth of podcasts and have a second year, a good start on a second year already, I know that somewhere in all of these, one of us, probably me, has said something that you didn't agree with. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that all of these podcasts and everything we said is a reason to object object to everything we say and to reject it as well. Uh, no, it, you know that and I know that. And the same thing is true of your relationship with a non-ally. Or if you are a non-ally and you're rejecting somebody else, the same thing is true. There's a lot of things about the other person that you like, a lot of things that you agree with, many, many more things that you agree with than disagree with. Why let one roadblock keep you from traveling the thousand miles that that road has to offer? There's a lot of misconceptions out there. Address misconceptions. Yeah, by the way, Raya, we did an entire uh, podcast just about misconceptions. I think that we was... did. July 24th, we July, published that one. Yeah. Anti-LGBTQ misconceptions. Now, there's a reason why we put this one so late here in in the grouping. This is only the fourth step. After you've taken steps one, two, and three, then you can begin to address some of these misconceptions. But oftentimes, we try to do things backwards. 
that we try to start in with the facts and the figures. And hey, you know what you said there is really wrong. You know, you said this whole thing about LGBTQ people trying to groom people and all we're trying to do is just live our lives and that's not how things are. And they say, yeah, well, I heard this story about this and that. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a big conflict. There's a lot of resources that we can use, that we can bring forth and we can put forth. But recognize that as you're addressing these misconceptions, it's like making an ATM transaction. And you can imagine your relationship as a bank account. That the more you spend time together, the more that you affirm one another, the more that you listen for the real feelings that are going on behind things, the more you share personal stories with one another and find ways to build your relationship together. It's like putting deposits into that bank account. And then we all have had that time where, you know, one time you forget or something's going on and you make a, an ATM purchase and it's a dollar and a half and all of a sudden you realize, oh, I was not watching my account and now I've got a $30 overdraft fee. And so often in our relationships, you're trying to address the misconceptions, but you haven't invested in the relationship first. And so you're just meaning to bring up a little point, a dollar and a half ATM charge, but you don't have the balance in your mutual account. And so instead you get slammed with an overdraft fee and all of a sudden you find yourselves fighting and arguing with one another. Yes, there's a place for addressing misconceptions. Yes, there's a place for saying, hey, I think what you did is probably wrong. And there's a place for receiving that as well. But we can only receive those things once we build up enough equity there to be able to draw on that so that we know, I know that I am loved unconditionally in your presence so that when you tell me, hey, the thing that you said here, that wasn't really a very cool thing. I know that I don't need to take that personally because you've already affirmed so much in my life. And when I say the same to you, hey, you know what you said about LGBTQ people was really offensive and that's not the way that we are. You and I have already invested enough in the relationship that you know, I don't think worse of you. I don't think you're a bad person. No, I love you because we spent the time together. You're willing to be honest and when you are honest all the time you've got that credibility so even though you might say something that is offensive it's not something you're saying because you're trying to get them to change your mind about something and you're using this as, as a point that's not honest Honesty is going to give you a lot of credibility. The final tip on how to love a non-ally is appeal to empathy in your relationship. We tend to think that we're dealing with all of these facts and figures, and what's really important is the empathy that we have for one another. And when you're trying to share your stories as an LGBTQ person, and you're struggling and getting into fights all the time, Appeal to that empathy. Hey, look, this is where I'm at. This is what I've gone through. I want you to understand my story. As we build that empathy with one another, we're going to really find that place where we find our common ground. Try to tell them what the real 
Reese it is. And I don't have to beat you down in order to get heard. You don't have to lose in order for me to win. And in fact, if I try to get you to lose, I'm going to lose. We're both going to lose. Mm -hmm. A conversation and a relationship, one person only wins if you both win. And I can guarantee you one way that you will certainly win, and that is by tuning in again next week. <laughs> you will be a big winner if you Absolutely. tune in next week. Absolutely. <laughs> and you will be able to hear our next podcast. And next week we've got a, a really great episode as we're talking about building bridges with one another. We talked about the episode for the non-allies. We talked about loving your non-allies. And now we want to talk about how do we build bridges together? What does this look like in practice? Raya, where do they email us? Trendescendant at gmail.com. And I encourage you to share this podcast with others. We hope we've been a great voice of positivity for you as you start off your week. See you Monday. Mm-hmm.